Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Emily Woodbury. When we can't find childcare, it's usually the mom who has to stay home. This is really a household problem. They really need to be engaged and they need to be in an environment that's rich. Once you pull one string, you start to have issues in other areas. So now entry-level wages for a lot of positions are, are closer to $15, $16 an hour. If you've been listening to our show for the past few months, as well as NPR programs, this next sentence should come as no surprise. Child care centers are struggling. They're not making enough money to pay employees a decent wage, so child care workers are leaving the industry in droves. And that's even as parents shell out huge amounts of their paychecks for daycare, if they can find a center with openings. So what gives? How can we better understand this issue in order to pursue some solutions? Chuck Gaskin is a senior economist at the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, which has recently taken a deep dive into the state of the child care industry in St. Louis and nationwide. Chuck, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Thanks for having me. Also with us is Shauna Lamond, executive director of Downtown Children's Center. It's a nonprofit early childhood center for parents that live or work in downtown St. Louis. Shauna, thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So, Shauna, you have 20 years of experience in child care and early childhood education. How would you characterize the industry in our country at this moment in time? We're in a crisis. We're in a crisis. We um, are really struggling across the entire nation. doesn't matter if you're talking early childhood or K-12 through uh, schools. We are really lacking staffing, quality, qualified staffing to provide and deliver instruction and care. That's something that we heard a couple months ago. I, I believe it was in May. We talked uh, with Candace King. She was the owner of Beginning Steps Child Care and Learning Center. She ended up closing the business last month in June because she couldn't retain enough staff. And she mentioned that the pandemic exacerbated these issues, mm-hmm. but really they were present before 2020. Um, when did you start to first kind of see cracks within the system? So perhaps Downtown Children's Center was a little bit more fortunate in that um, I've been there for six years. And so prior to the pandemic, we really didn't have a lot of turnover. Um, We have a lot of really great veteran teachers still to this day with us, um, but it's significantly reduced. So for us, it was more the pandemic. We we lost really great, valuable staff members who did not want to work in this industry anymore um, for fears of health and other reasons. And it has been downright impossible to replace to replace them. So um, there was some, but not to the extent. And where are those workers going? What are they leaving childcare for? That's a great question. Um, 
interestingly enough, some of my best staff members have left Downtown Children's Center to pursue careers in the medical field. Um, they're not leaving us to go work at other schools. They're leaving to either find a, uh, a career that will ultimately pay better in the long run, or they're individuals who are just chasing you know, the dollar and they want flexibility. Um, I feel like we've lost a lot of people to even just Uber and Amazon and um, other positions where they can make $18, $19, $20 an hour, and it's an easy job, no stress, you know, show up, put out a product or stock shelves and be done for the day. So Less stress than yeah, in child care, Absolutely, absolutely. And flexibility in, in hours and times because education isn't something that we can do working from home. We have to physically be there day in and day out, reliable. We just received an email from Audra Galliano um, from Oakville, Illinois. She writes, I'm a 42-year-old mother of four that began working as a union construction worker last year. My husband and I struggled to find childcare during COVID. We spent more than two years on a wait list for childcare for our youngest with no end in sight. Eventually, she adds, our oldest became old enough to babysit his siblings at home with family and friends nearby. Chuck Access to child care, especially quality child care, again, is, is not doing well as tanking. From your research, what can you attribute this trend to? So it's multifaceted. At one level, as Sean has described, employment in the child care sector dropped by about 30% during the pandemic. So we lost a lot of people that were working in this space. And, and while it has come back up, it, the overall employment is just not to pre-pandemic levels. And then on the flip side of that, in the St. Louis area, the unemployment rate's under 3%. It's like 2.9%, I think, the last time I checked. So there are a lot of people back at work and, and looking for jobs and, and actively participating in the labor market. So the demand for care has also gone up even, even faster. And that's in an environment where older workers have left, and now you have more younger and younger workers coming into the labor force. So you kind of put these two things together. Demand for care is even higher than it was pre-COVID, and the supply is, is lower, which is, is why we're seeing a lot of these constraints that we're seeing today. And in order to, you know, attract qualified staff back to the field, um, providers I'm hearing have had to raise prices. Do you think, does it look like daycare costs could raise even higher in the near future, near future that supply demand? Could that get even more? Yeah, so there's, there's two things that are going on. So one, again, in the broader economy, we've seen wages for low-wage workers generally increase faster than the average worker in, in the economy as a result of the pandemic. And a, a lot of these jobs in like grocery stores, stocking shelves, and Amazon, firms have competed to raise those wages. So now entry-level wages for a lot of positions are, are closer to $15, $16 an hour. Um, and those are the jobs that childcare workers were typically you know, seeking as alternatives, as Shauna described. So there's really two things going on. One is broader wage pressures in the economy are, are causing childcare providers or schools in some cases to compete with other sectors that they maybe didn't in the past. And then there's this idea that the demand is higher, so that's gonna continue to push up the pressure to get more people in the center. So you combine those two things and yeah, it, it's definitely a, a formula for, for continued um, inflationary pressures in, in the childcare space. We're talking about the state of the childcare industry in St. Louis and, and nationwide, and we want to invite you to join the conversation as well. Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 314-382-TALK. 
We received an email from Matt Vitale in South City. Um, he emailed us celebrating St. Louis Public Schools early childhood and pre-K programs for children ages three to five. He, he adds that financially, the program has been transformational for my family. Before St. Louis Public Schools, we were spending $600 a month on part-time care, and my spouse had to reduce their hours to part-time. Thank you for that email, Matt. You know, Shauna, I'd love to hear you add, you know, respond to that and speak to kind of the larger societal impact and, and the, the smaller familial impact of children not having access to good quality child care. Yeah. So first, I'd like to give a shout out to St. Louis Public Schools because they do really provide a great program for uh, preschool. I taught with St. Louis Public Schools for many, many years, um, and they have some really great programs out there. So I'm glad he was able to take advantage of that. Um, you know, that, that the familial impact, like that family saying, you know, Matt saying, you know, we had to scrounge to find something to do for our kids, or maybe parents who just are like, okay, you know, I, I don't have care. Like, what is kind of the impact on families, the stress of that? So, you know, I think the biggest stressor is that, you know, there are families out there that they can't work. It's somebody has to make a choice to stay home to take care of the children. Uh, and, Part of what we know about young children is that they really need to be engaged and they need to be in an environment that's rich. And so you have parents, I've heard a lot of stories from families that call us and you know they're they're working from home and they haven't been able to find childcare. And so they've got a one-year-old, a two-year-old, and they're trying to manage both fam, both both mom and dad are just single. They're working from home. They're trying to manage the children that they have, get the job done, um, and keep peace in the house and not have the house burned down while they're doing all of it. Um, so that is not really providing an environment for a child to really build the skill sets that they need to be ready when they walk into kindergarten. Um, so much from my side of this is really focused on what do young children need to be successful in life? And those birth to five years are so crucial towards their ability to um, be a part of society and know what it means to um, be able to work cooperatively and expand some of the skill sets they need to walk into kindergarten. So when families are kind of forced to build these networks of trying to take care of a child and maybe grandma comes in for a few hours or um, they're paying a teenager to, to watch their child. Uh, children are, they're safe, they're getting what they need physically, but they're really not developing the skill sets that we would like to see them have when they are walking into kindergarten at age five. So um, that really dives into then the bigger problem that we have in the school systems. Yeah, the importance of, you know, early childhood education, mm -hmm. it's not just play, we are teaching kids yeah. how to be adults. I hear in there maybe a little plea for, even if you don't have young kids, you should be paying attention and care about this. <laughs> I, I think that's probably my biggest struggle in, in, you know, if I think about the changes in early childhood from when I first entered, you know, 20, over 20 years ago to this day, there's been some changes, but it hasn't, it hasn't been the changes that I would like. People don't really understand. And when I say people, I just mean general people, legislative, 
people in our government, they don't really understand how critical those first five years are of a child's life. And until we really put a value on that, um, I don't see sustainable changes happening um, simply due to the low incomes that we pay. Um, It's not sustainable for staff. And so it's a real struggle to be taken seriously as a professional who provides a really important um, level of care and education for the youngest learners that we have. Anecdotally, I know a decent amount of parents that have upended their career plans to take care of their kids. We talked about, you know, some of this was due to the pandemic, you know, working from home, educating from home. But for many, even before the pandemic, it was just a matter of we're spending, I'm hearing upwards of 20 to 30 percent of our paycheck Mm -hmm. on daycare. Chuck, what does the data say about how many parents have left the workforce in recent years? And and also in that, are there major differences among genders? Yeah, so there's really some interesting dynamics that are that are going on today relative to maybe even a, a year and a half ago, which is that the overall share of parents that are participating in the labor force is actually at or above pre-pandemic levels for many for many groups. Um, both for fathers and and actually for mothers, it's it's higher. Um, a lot of that comes with the fact that a lot of the jobs that are being demanded are, are predominantly being filled by women. So the demand for care is really high. Um, and households, what that shows us is that households are are trying to figure out the best way to accommodate um, uh, their family needs with with their work needs. Um, and I think that gets to a lot of what what Sean is talking about, which is this is really a, a household problem of saying, we have our children and we want them to have the best future forward. And how do we provide that for them? Do we go with a place like the Downtown Children's Center that can provide care for our kids or do we do it ourselves? Um, and we wanna do what's in the best interest for our kids. That's first and foremost. Employers are looking at it and saying, we need people to show up to work to do X, Y, and Z. And we know that households are typically better off when their incomes are higher and they, and they can work. That puts us in a really difficult situation where people are getting very creative to try to balance these two things out. So what we're seeing in the data is people are working, they're working more, the job opportunities are out there, and they're getting creative on their solutions. Um, and this is one of those pain points that pe- people are trying to figure out. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a really difficult space to be in when the supply is so limited. Um, but I think in many cases, households are ultimately looking and saying, we have to do what's best for our kids. And sometimes that means not working as much as we may, may want to in, in the long run. I'd like to bring in Lindsay in St. Louis into this conversation. She just gave us a call. Hi, Lindsay. You are on St. Louis on the Air. Hi. Um, thanks for having this discussion. Um, I really enjoyed your one in May. Um, and I wanted to find out more from your guests from the Fed about how this lack of childcare impacts in particular women. Uh, I find in most families, when we can't find childcare, it's usually the mom who has to stay home. And a lot of times that's because she makes maybe less money. And even if she doesn't stay home all the time, maybe she's working less. And can your guests talk a little bit more about how this lack of kind of this basic thing that a lot of other developed countries seem to have taken care of well, Chuck, would you respond to Lindsay's call? Lindsay, thank you for yeah, that question. Yeah, absolutely. That was a great question. And, and I think we're seeing a few things happening. So what the data is telling us is that in states where um, 
childcare costs have, have broadly gone up the most. Um, participation by women in the labor force, particularly women with children under the age of six, is being constrained. Um, however, on the flip side, the participation rate for women with children under six is at one of the highest levels it's been in our history. Um, now, hours worked for men has declined, particularly men with, with younger children. Um, and so there is some offsetting that we, we can see taking place in the household, which in many cases is ideal and what you need to see when outside sources are not being provided. So households are adjusting. Um, the anecdotes that the caller provided are, are broadly accurate, although what we're seeing in the broader picture is that the demand for these jobs are continuing to be filled um, and households are really getting creative in, in how, they're, how they're managing it. I'd like to have you both respond to something else that Lindsay kind of alluded to there. You know, when we look at other industrialized countries, similar to the U.S. in many ways, where parents are not struggling to get by, it's it's because the government subsidizes daycare, there's more paid parental leave. Um, it kind of leads me to this question of, has the free market failed working parents? Or are there things that the U.S. can learn from other countries? Um, so there's chocolate. there's one thing that I'll, I'll mention in some of my research that I've done, and I think Shauna can kind of corroborate this with the way her center operates, which is that particularly care for really, really young kids is very, very costly. So kids under the age of one in our country ratios are lower, so that cost of providing that care can get very high, which means that the cost for providing care all the way through to those four and five-year-olds is, is ultimately higher. So paid parental leave, for example, and kids not having to go into care as early on can save childcare providers significant costs and overall lower the cost of providing care in, in those spaces. So those policies have been in play. Um, extending um, kinder uh, or early childhood care through public schools is another way to make it more affordable for that age group. But again, it can also offset costs on the other side of things because those older kids are typically the ones that are the cheapest to care for. So if you pull those kids out of early childhood centers, it makes it harder to operate an early childhood center um, and, and more costly. So it's really, you, once you pull one string, you start to have issues in other areas. So the U.S. is a big, diverse economy. Most of these countries in Europe are much smaller, and you're looking kind of at a state and local level. We are seeing things being done across the country at state and local levels, um, and it's just kind of wait and see how some of those things play out. But some of the early indications, for example, in New York, have been that if you do expand early childhood care, you have to allow centers that typically take care of little kids to also be part of these public programs because otherwise it can actually potentially put them out of business. Shauna, what, what solutions do you see? What actions would you like to take, like to see our public sector yeah. take on this? Uh, so I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. And I, in my mind, and I don't know that I'll ever see it in my lifetime, but um, the federal government has a law that provides free and public education to all children. It's mandatory, K through 12. And I truly don't believe that until they consider the birth through five as part of that free and public education and that it's funded federally, it's funded through the state, um, it's not on the backs of working parents, that there really is gonna be sustainable long-term change. Final word, Chuck, uh, solutions that you would like to see people consider, maybe even as we're coming on an election year? You know, I think the 
we know that this is a challenge for employers because they're the ones that need people to work. Families are struggling, and what the data shows us is that they're while they're struggling, they're finding their own solutions, but employers are the ones that are really needing people to show up and do work. So I think that there's continuing to be a place for the private sector and for employers to figure out how they can really use this as a competitive advantage to attract workers in the places that they need them. And we're starting to see that play out even in, in the free market um, as, a, as the demographics of our workforce have shifted, started to shift it younger as older people have left, left the workforce. So I think that you, could, you can go both ways on, on some of these things. Chuck Gascon, Senior Economist at the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And Shauna Lamont, Executive Director of the Downtown Children's Center, thank you. Thank you for having me. This episode was produced by Maya Norfleet. Our audio engineer is Aaron Doerr. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.